Welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, a podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. My name is Brent Davis and I'm the host of the podcast and today I'm heading down that young gun path again. We've had a few of these type of guests on the last few weeks and I'm excited about this one as well because she is an awesome coach and also, as I said, she's just she, so she's a female and I'm trying to get some more female coaches out here. So we have got Melissa Taylor on the line today. Thanks for coming in and talking to me today. Hi, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this one because you have been blowing up my socials lately. (laughs) All I'm seeing is all your stuff just popping up. It's awesome. (laughs) It's good to know that it's reaching people. (laughs) Which is is great. And I think that is how all you really good coaches are heading down, those paths of social media and getting your your stuff out there. But um, we've got so much stuff that we're keen to cover. But just give me a basic outline of who you are and – um, if someone asked you to explain yourself, how would you go about that to start off? Sure. So probably basic is uh, I'm not sure that I can quite do basic, but um, the reason why is because I actually have an interesting story that maybe you don't know about. Okay. And um, so my story actually starts when I was diagnosed with a life-threatening disease called dermatomyositis at 18 months old which is an autoimmune disease. And with a long list of symptoms, one in particular was muscle weakness, having to do physiotherapy to build my strength, my parents turned to sports as one avenue to help me. At three years old, Santa bought me plastic golf clubs for Christmas, and that's when it all started for me. It wasn't long before I smashed up the plastic clubs by hitting Dad's actual golf balls. (laughs) So he upgraded me to an old cut-down cane to iron. <laughs> yeah. Pickery shafted one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm, that's what I started with. Um, when I was eight, I was then an invited guest playing with other kids in Churnside Park Country Club's junior golf development program because back then you actually couldn't become a member until you were 10. Um, I then did join once I was 10. Uh, This was also a time when Women's Golf Victoria was around and over my junior career I played in lots of comps. I was part of squads and did some travelling for golf as well and I had aspirations of going on tour. Now, you might have thought that growing up playing golf in a male-dominated sport might deter a young female. However, for me, I actually lost interest from a different experience. I had male friends at my home club and I had a number of female friends from Women's Golf Victoria. One special mention goes out to my still best friend, Catherine, who I met through WGV about 15 years ago. Um, My experience, though, was as that I got better, I got put into squads and clinics and camps and competitions with other girls at the same level, but they were mostly older than me. There were click groups formed and these click groups did their best to exclude myself and some other girls too. And the competition became unfriendly and it became a place that I didn't want to be. And I felt like being good at something wasn't worth the tears on the ride home. So as a teen, I gave up golf and with the exception of a handful of club golf rounds, I barely touched the club for about four years. It wasn't until I was 20 that I decided that I wanted to play golf again. And somewhere along the way, I thought I'd do a traineeship as a stepping stone to still having a playing career. In 2015, I applied for the PGA traineeship program and failed getting in. I believe everything happens for a reason, and whilst this was actually devastating, (laughs) I worked harder and I applied again in 2016. At this time, I'd also secured a job at Eastwood Golf Club. When I was accepted, I became a trainee under the director of golf, Luke Bauer, and 
it was also through this job that I met my now husband, Zach Ginevra, who was also completing his traineeship. <laughs> now, are you, uh, now just, 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 just as we go into that, are you sure that's a positive? <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> okay, that's all right, then. That's all right, then. Um, I've since stayed on at Eastwood as the assistant professional, and I work part-time in the golf shop, and I also run my own coaching business called Tailored to You Golf Coaching with Melissa Taylor. And I teach any person from kids to children, to adults, sorry, um, raw beginners to the seasoned golfer with this a special focus on increasing female participation in golf. Very cool. So it, there is, there's a heap of stuff there that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, so, so not so basic, sorry. <laughs> no, but that, that, that's cool. And it certainly opens up a whole lot of questions we can say. Uh, 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 so many paths we can go down with regards to that. Something that caught my ears straight away was you said you're in some some squad coaching are, are we talking state-based stuff at um, that stage? yeah and young they they were called like young tyro squad and i did some um state rep as well i was on the border team and we played vic versus south australia in south australia so like i was sort of you know relatively high up there we did camps and stuff at anglesey um i'm not sure if you're aware of those good old days but you yeah. know they were pretty awesome and you know i was under like the coaching of Tim Wendell um, yeah. and uh, yeah we yeah I sort of had playing aspirations at that time definitely and it sounds like the the actual environment that you were in there was not very positive um, yeah was that, was that, <laughs> I'm assuming that was not a problem from the, from the from the coaches or was it just from just or having all those players in the same place was uh, that- it wasn't particularly in um in one time or another, it was a, like just the experience overall. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there's, I've met so many wonderful people, you know, um, and I still have friends who I met back then uh, as well who are still playing golf. Um, but, yeah, I guess the thing that really obviously stuck out is the fact that there was just part of the environment that <laughs> – really turned me off playing competitively um and whilst you know there certainly wasn't the case for everybody that that was the experience it was my experience and yeah pretty much the main reason is why I gave it up as a teenager and why I decided I actually didn't want to pursue playing anymore I just um didn't enjoy being in that environment and um yeah no that that Completely makes sense. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. <laughs> what would you change in that coaching scenario to improve it for yourself personally? Um, if I can step back, I think I wish I had. I would change my own confidence as a young person that I actually would have spoken up. You know, the day that I decided to quit golf, I think broke my dad's heart. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, as I would. You know, and they probably didn't really understand to the extent of how I felt. Um, so definitely if I could step back into that time, it would be to change my own confidence to say something, not only to my parents but to, you know, the coaches and the mentors and the people that surrounded us, especially in the Women's Golf Victoria, um, because it wasn't from lack of support. It was lack of confidence on my end that just I didn't feel confident enough to speak up for fear of being further ridiculed or excluded. Um, But, yeah, I guess if I was just – have the chance to be in that situation or I guess even say to other people as golf coaches, like, I guess, just really keep your eye out, you know, um, watch what's going on, try not to be oblivious 
you know, it's the little things sometimes that matter as well, the small snide comments and all that kind of stuff that actually really need to be stopped in their tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That 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 is extremely powerful, and I think as as a coach, you you have to be um, again um, on top of that stuff from the start and be because you've got so many different people, and it's a bit easier in golf because the groups are generally not so big. But if you're in a team sports situation with 20, 30, 40, 50 people around you, it can be hard to see those little um, tendencies that certain players have. So yeah. Extremely important. Absolutely, and I think unfortunately too, it doesn't. You know, that was my experience as a junior, but it happens in all walks of life at all ages at the end of the day. So, you know, I think it's important as a golf coach just in general to be aware of what's happening and when you are working in group situations. Um, And for me, that's one of my focuses um, with my coaching that I do a lot of group stuff. So. Yeah, I'm having that same um, experience personally with coaching my sons under under 10s um, f- football team with 20 or 30 kids running around and it's it's so easy to give the attention to the kids that are out in there up there in your face as opposed to the quiet ones that are up the up the back of the group that aren't coming and talking to you straight away so yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a hard space absolutely so I've heard so much about the the special junior girls camp that you had at <laughs> Anglesey. <laughs> I heard all about these stories. Obviously, being a guy, I didn't get to go to these Anglesey camps. So, so talk me through the experience of that golf camp. Oh, you know, um, it was actually heaps of fun. Um, and, again, you know, there are so many aspects that I didn't like and there were so many aspects that I did like. And so, for instance, you'd get there and it was a couple of days as well um, and that you'd be spending down at Anglesey and you got to bunk with girls and you got mm. to choose who you bunked with. Um, so that was awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> then, you know, it was very much a, a slumber party kind of thing and there was bunks and you had, you know, four to six, maybe even eight girls in a room with you um, and you got to put down you know, your friends and that sort of stuff. So it was really good fun. Um, We did lots of recreational stuff as well after golf. Um, And, you know, we even had like singing competitions, like where everyone participated. (laughs) Like it was really weird. (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) But it was really, really fun. Um, And the golf side of things was awesome. You did get um, um, separated into your levels, Um, And that's sort of where going back to the experiences that I had, my level of golf, I was with some of the girls who, yeah, unfortunately I didn't obviously get along with. Um, And, yeah, so but we got out and played. We did heaps of different stuff with different coaches um, and, like, it was really game-based learning as well. And, yeah, it was awesome. It was actually a really great experience and I hope, they were trying to get it back up and running actually up, I think, Aubrey Wodonga way, um, okay. not last year but the year before, uh, uh, through Golf Australia. Um, but obviously with COVID and stuff, that uh, hasn't happened last year or this year. So hopefully once we all sort of get back to normality, they can get that back up and running because it was such a such an awesome time. Yeah. <laughs> COVID has kindly has, has certainly screwed up a few things over the last couple of years. But um, there was a junior golf camp that my father used to run up in Aubrey <laughs> as a kid. Mm-hmm. So at the golf club 
that I played at as a junior, there was a golf camp that we lived in and then three days of coaching and then two-day tournament to finish the week off. And it is. They're cool experiences. Being able to – with that whole – like we used to have 60, 80 kids mm-hmm. and we used to stay at a at a private school in, in town and play golf every day and get coached every day. And it's a really cool experience. So yeah. hopefully we can get something like that going in the, in the future. Absolutely. So, was that your first exposure to serious type of coaching or did you just were you being coached when you started out as well or um not really so um sort of had some coaching here and there um because I was a member at Turnside Park Country Club um so through the development programs and things that I got coaching and then the coaching that was through the Women's Golf Victoria yeah clinics and tire squads and things like that so a lot of a lot of what I remember was the more elite stuff with Tim Wendell and it was um, when Tim actually had his property in Flowerdale and I don't know if you yeah know that but he um, he had a property there and it had everything it had a mini golf course and um, we used to stay in Flowerdale for the weekend and we'd go up Saturday mornings and spend all day Saturday uh, learning and playing and then we'd stay at a cricket club um, in Flowerdale or near Flowerdale and then go back Sunday and do it all again and um, then get picked up Sunday and then go to school on Monday. <laughs> no, that sounds really cool. And here's the old sliding door thing. My brother was a school principal at Flowerdale Primary School. Oh, there you go. <laughs> for quite a long time. So it's crazy how we you, you'd certainly cross paths. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, you obviously played heaps of golf on course. Yeah. Um, and isn't it? terrible that you couldn't join the club prior to 10 years of age it's and I had the same thing as a kid as well even in the country we couldn't join the club prior to 10 it just made no sense whatsoever yeah it's very weird and that's actually part of the reason why I made it a point of saying it because I think some people don't actually realize that you know it wasn't always as accessible for juniors as what it is now and um I know yeah we're trying to make headway in that space and everything but yeah that's just one of the things that I came up against so for two years I just played and I played in the club's tournaments and things and I was never actually allowed to win anything yeah (laughs) and there was actually a number of times that I did win but I wasn't entitled (laughs) crazy 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 and again probably something you came across as a female as well is probably not too many female golfers around your age around the golf club at that time either I'm sure no that's correct and um I was really quite lucky though that Chernside had a really great uh development program and it was split into uh cadet b's cadet a's and then juniors and cadet b's would tee off halfway down the fairway if not more at a cross of a tree and uh cadet a's would tee off uh at the yellow tees for a full hole for the full hole um and then as a junior, that was when you got to join as a member and actually play a full 18 holes. But the, the A's and B's just played nine holes uh, on Saturday afternoons. And the, the program itself was really great. I found that when I was in that sort of more B and A, um, there were a few girls around, a handful of girls. But once graduating into juniors, the, the actual membership, the conversion of females there was pretty much just me out of the handful. 
which is yeah, which is which is awful. And hopefully, hopefully, things are changing, especially with your programs, which we which we'll get to <laughs> as we as we go through. So you gave up golf and then came back to it at twenty. So mm. how long were you off golf for? Yeah, about, about four, four years. years. Yeah, about four years. What was the hardest thing coming back? The expectation of where I was at to where I was then at coming back. Um, I guess, you know, you have the expectation of yourself, oh, I used to be able to play that shot, I used to be able to hit that one, and <laughs> you walk out and you think, oh, my God, I don't even know how to stand over a golf ball anymore. <laughs> yeah. I get that, I get that. Yeah, so that was probably. Yeah, like me. Like, I, I don't play much anymore and you, you get on a hole and you can see the shot that you're supposed to hit but you can't always pull it off, which is which is a terrible thing. At least relatable to other golfers. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. So how long from when you were 20 to you saying, okay, I'm going to turn this into a career? Um, so it was just a couple of years. Um, I think I might have been yeah, 22 um, or so that I decided that that was when I was going to get back and actually – try and apply myself and not just play club golf like actually you know wanted to play in Ivo events and that sort of stuff so I went back to playing Ivo events and um yeah and decided that I would try and do the traineeship um and yeah as I mentioned I actually failed the first time that I got in my playing scores I I didn't I was so nervous I was so so nervous (laughs) (laughs) tell me about it Um, and I didn't actually at the time as well, I didn't have a place to, um, I didn't have an indenturing pro and a club to go to, I just sort of applied and didn't even really know what to expect. So, um, the second time around walking into the interview, I was, was actually prepared and I felt good and I had a plan. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Who did you seek out for coaching to get you up to that, to that standard? Who was, who were you seeing or were you just out there trying to Work it out yourself. Yeah, so when I was um, a junior as well, I did actually also get some coaching from Jeff George out at Croydon or now for, now known as Yearing Meadows. Um, and when I first came back to golf, I sought Jeff's help again. Uh, but it wasn't uh, too long after that that I actually ended up seeing Reese Granger of RG Golf Performance uh, down at Maroondah Driving Range. Uh, I'd my dad had had a free lesson with him or a voucher or something and I was just really struggling and I couldn't get in to see Jeff and he goes, just go and see Reese. you need some help. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So, yeah, I went and saw Reese, and I just really loved what he was about and the way he coached and um, I ended up, yeah, sticking with Reese. and even though I don't get golf lessons anymore, I, uh, I s- still consider him my golf coach and, um, and a friend as well, so... That's cool. That's cool. Now I can see that certificate behind you in your room there with that PGA badge on it. So obviously you got through the program once you got in there. Yes. Um, <laughs> so talk me through your experiences through the trainee program, A, as someone who's gone away from golf and come back to it and also as a female in the golf program surrounded by um, probably 50 or 60 boys that are can be painful sometimes, I'm sure. So talk me through your experience in the program. Yeah, I was really lucky um, that when I started the program, I was actually in the same year as Catherine Hodges, uh, who's out at Peninsula Kingswood. Um, and I, um, we used to be friends in the, our junior days. So I was really lucky that first off, 
straight up there was a friend there, so that made it a bit easier. Um, in my second year, Karina Bryant also came along as well, and she's another really good friend of mine. So throughout the program, whilst there were and surprisingly enough girls, well, not enough, I shouldn't say enough, but um, more than what you'd think there would be, I suppose. Um, you know, I think during my time by the end there was about 10 girls, 8, 10 girls, um, which still is such a small number in the grand scheme of things, but it's still like, oh, there's actually a number of us, you know, there's <laughs> a collective group. Um, so that was really good and made some friends out of that as well, which was great. Um, being surrounded by guys being used to it all my life, I guess. So it wasn't a huge deal. Um, but more so, I suppose, than anything, it's hard when you are playing because they hit it so much further than you. Um, and sometimes you find yourself, even as a female who knows that she can't hit it that far, trying to dump it just as far. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've got to remember, actually, when it comes to the playing side of things, to just step back and actually play your own game because you're never going to hit it as far as them sort of a thing. Um, but as far as the schooling and everything goes, it was definitely a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think even though I'd been not warned but told, you know, you're going to go in, it's going to be more than you think. You always think, oh, yeah, I'll be right, I'll be right. But you really, really had to learn how to organise myself and my time because, you know, once you add in the um, assignments, the playing, practising to actually try and play well, working yeah, it's just a, it's a lot more than what people think that it is. So it was a wake up call, but it was a it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, and I, again, I, I think that's probably the the problem that most people have coming into the trainee program is they don't realise that essentially you're doing three full time things at once. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing full time work, you're doing full time playing, and you're doing full time study yeah. all at the same time. Whereas as you come into the program, you're probably only doing part time work and full-time playing 100 uh, that's where i was at yep and then you come in there all of a sudden you've got to do all this schoolwork on top of full-time work plus full-time playing as well and yeah and as a general rule a certain parts of it struggle and if you're struggling with the playing to start with you're going to go backwards in playing as well and if you struggle with the schoolwork side of things you'll probably struggle through that too so yeah i think i probably challenging yeah i think i probably struggled a little bit with the assignments and stuff at first because i come on (laughs) more so getting back into the rhythm of school um i didn't go to uni or anything like that so when i finished school at 18 you know i'd had four or five years off just working um and then when I went to go back into golf I took I stepped back into part-time work to play more golf and um and that sort of thing as you said but yeah to get into the rhythm of actually having to study and um <laughs> yeah get back into the rhythm of school <laughs> it, it, it can be challenging and if you if you go back a couple episodes um you'll hear Jeanette, we had a chat with her a couple of couple of shows ago when she was saying the same thing and her being obviously in her 40s and 50s doing it um, had that huge gap between going from school because coming back into doing some more studies. Yeah. So um, certainly a challenging time. So you got through the program, did great in it obviously um, <laughs> to, to get through and you've come out with your own little company on the outside of it. So coaching, um, tell me how that started up. Um, so it actually comes from the learning through the traineeship, um, you know, with the training school and things and listening to different presenters, 
who are obviously PGA coaches and have their own businesses and things, um, you know, well, their words stood out to me, um, in particular Trevor Harris uh, in my first year. I remember he was talking about programs and building a business and, and everything and it just seemed like a light shone to me that to be able to do that in this day and age you do have to also reach out to technology, you know, social media platforms and things like that. So that's where not only did I build a business but I built a company um, based on uh you know, social media and promoting and being active on that and providing my service through that um, sort of. So, yeah, tailored to your golf coaching with Melissa Taylor. So I like a pun. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Love it. <laughs> so to me, the name just came quite easily and um, it, you know, really matched into what I believe in as well. I want to tailor my programs and my um, coaching to the individual I don't just have a cookie cutter mold that I just put everybody into and I work with what they've got and what they want as well so um, yeah it just sort of fell into my lap I suppose or the idea fell into my lap and um, yeah so from there just started creating content um, and putting stuff on Instagram and Facebook because they're the two that I really utilize most uh, and basically got my logos done and branded everything um I've got clothing with brand my brand name on it as well so yeah just fully believing that it is actually a business um it's not just about coaching but it's like a proper business you know with the logos and the clothing and and everything so even when it comes down to like the color theme and all that kind of stuff it's all really important I recently just did a article uh, with the Australian Golf Digest and we spoke a lot about like building that business and you know speaking about even how the colors of the logo are all you know feminine colors because that's really the clientele that I want to reach and the logo in itself it's got cursive writing which I find being feminine is more feminine to me as well so yeah yeah and I'm, I'm keen to explore that even further because again it, it is something that stands out for you and something that it is your your whole social presence everything that you do is branded really really well thank you um, and the fact that you've got shirts and you've got hats and you've got things out there that people can put on just makes you stand out from the crowd so again can you just ex expand on those points and how you came to that conclusion apart from hearing from Travis because obviously he's all, all, he's super at, at that stuff as well yeah yeah um how did you get to that point at such a young age to say that this is what I need to have in my golf coaching yeah, sure. So, I mean, first off, my parents own their own building business. So um, when it comes to sort of business and building a business, you know, I guess got that little bit of um, knowledge and things from my parents. Um, I listen to a lot of business podcasts as well um, and I'm growing all the time. Um, you know, I listen to things or I read things in business books and things too and I think, oh, yeah, okay, I can do better for that. So even at first my content that I would put out there was relevant but, you know, I would just make it any colour that I wanted. But, you know, um, I started at one point making sure that anything that I post is actually all colour themed that is my logo uh, colours. And um, so... Those sorts of things are really important just for that um, continuity and, and everything and just the way the, the content is actually presented. 
Um, so, yeah, I listen to different podcasts and not just business-related. Um, I actually listen to Tony Robbins. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yeah, um, so he actually talks about even when you're building a business, um, making sure that you have added value. So um, things like my caps were an added value. Um, so just trying to explore different different avenues that just aren't golf related to make sure that my business is always building and that making sure that I can be as good as I can be basically. <laughs> which is, which is so cool. You're, you're, you're so far ahead of where most people are at, at your age, which is, which is awesome to know Thank that you. you've done such a great, a great job with that. So inside of that coaching brand, you said you're targeting females mostly. Um, so what type of programs do you have inside of that? brand yeah so um basically with my coaching I do individual lessons for anybody um I have you know lesson packages and things like that but I also do offer for anybody who basically comes to me with their own group group sessions and then outside of that my own program so the actual programs I promote and try and bring in my own clinics whereas like your private group sessions would be if your wife brought three of her friends to me and said oh hey we just want to be our own group what can you provide um I can then sort of expand into my teaching time whereas my programs are more structured in when and how I provide them so um as far as the way I go about getting females starting golf it is mainly those through my women's beginner golf pathway program uh it consists of a beginner level an intermediate level an on-course level and then a transitional membership I provide these programs on Sunday afternoons and Monday mornings and how many programs I provide just depends on how many willing participants that I have. <laughs> okay. For example, um, at the start of this year I had 45 brand new women starting across four different programs and some private group sessions as well. 45, yeah. wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so um, when I'm creating, what I'm creating though is more than just a program. It's a community of female golfers and each week I provide the women in the programs a complimentary drink to encourage inclusive social interactions. All participants are invited to join a private and exclusive Facebook community group that I created and am the admin of where they're able to connect and interact online with each other and me. And here is where I also provide them with exclusive content relevant to them in the program. At the intermediate level, all of the participants are provided with a beginner golf Bible that I filled with content such as what does a golf hole look like, what club is what, scoring, etiquette, rules, safety, etc. Even though we cover these things across the whole program, this is a hard copy resource that the participants can refer to at any time. At the on-course level, all participants are gifted a tailored to golf coaching cap and a hat clip and ball marker before we start by playing six holes of Ambrose in groups of four. For about the first four weeks, each group has one mentor and that the mentors are the women membership of Eastwood who kindly donate their time to help the groups navigate their first handful of rounds. We then continue for the next four weeks playing two-person Ambrose in groups of four but without the mentors. And then in the last four weeks of the programs, uh, the women graduate into playing their own individual golf games. During each uh, phase on the golf course, I'm still present and spending time with each group every week on the course. At the end of the program, I provide them with options of how they can continue their golf, whether that's more lessons or another program, paying 
paying green fees to play socially, membership and even competition. I provide all the membership options through our community Facebook group and then I follow up with either a one-on-one meeting or a phone call with each participant to provide support any way that I can in helping them choose how they want to continue their golf. One of the membership options is a specific and unique women's rookie membership that I helped the club design specifically to transition those who participated in the pathway program into membership. This provides them with um, capped, a capped number of rounds, three individual lessons, guest passes, range ball pass card and uh, golf league numbers and other small perks to be used around the golf club. Um, hopefully you can tell by all of this how passionate and dedicated I am to providing a community over a service. Even though my experience, as I stated earlier, was a little bit different to some other female golfers out there, I still recognise and can sympathise that being in a male-dominant sport can be overwhelming and scary, especially for those starting out. I wanted to create a community that also breeds a culture that breaks the social issues of exclusion and the like that we see not just in sport but in life. Now, not to open up a can of worms. <laughs> it could be here for hours then if we start this. <laughs> but it can, be pretty, it can be a pretty intense conversation. But I think that the female gender as a whole has been oppressed over a lifetime that we see in everyday life women having to claw their way up, especially in male-dominated situations that we forget to support and uplift other females. So that's why I'm not just trying to create a program that's a service. I want to create a community and create a culture that you know everyone can be a part of that doesn't have any of the stuff that I ever experienced whether that's at a junior level or as adults yeah I I love that I think that is that is absolutely awesome and so so powerful and again it's um I hear it on certain podcasts that I listen to as well if you can see it you can achieve it and if you don't see it, you just can't. You just can't achieve it. And I'm coming from a straight white male's privileged background. Um, that's all I saw on the on the golf course with people like me. Um, if you can't see it out there, you can't be successful at it. So I think you need to be really, really proud of what you've done so oh, far. Thank you. And I'm sure it's it'll only continue to grow. So uh, there's so many things that I keen to touch on in that <laughs> in that there. But I just want to talk about quickly, how quickly did it grow? So obviously you started off with zero players and then you were talking about 45 people involved with the program, all these sort of huge amounts of golfers. How quickly did it start to grow? Yeah, um, at first when I came out of the traineeship or even actually in the last year of my traineeship, I was doing programs like these but was actually doing Swing Fit, um, the Golf Australia Swing Fit program. And from the women that I was getting involved, being the fact that Swing Fit is very niche, even more niche than just female golfers because, you know, there's that aspect of fitness to it. The people that I was attracting to those programs were still probably the older uh, female golfers than what I would really love to target, Um, but they weren't really interested in the fitness side of things. They were there to learn just the golf. And so at that point I actually then created in my first year out of my traineeship the business and decided that I would move away from the swing fit so that that way I could actually create my own program and brand it and from there um we yeah dropped the fitness side of things and focused a lot more on golf the program became 
structured in my own way. Uh, and then it just started to grow. It just, and it was really quite weird at the time as well. Um, I do, I'd done some programs on a Friday and they just skyrocketed. I had a free trial and I had 28 women turn up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just was like, oh my goodness, I wasn't really prepared for that. Um, <laughs> How can I cope with 28 players on the coaching team yeah, by myself? Yeah. And um, that was really crazy. And it was from there that it just continued to grow. And so, Within the promotion of things as well, I just became a bit more streamlined in the way I promoted things and the way I reached out to people, the way they had to register for programs. It wasn't just a case of, oh, it's a free trial, come on down, and then being surprised with 28 people. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, a bit more structured. And, yeah, just as it can, as I continued to grow, so did the program and the numbers. And so, yeah, 45 people, women at the start of this year, um, we had three programs on a Sunday and one program on a Monday. Now, coming into this new season for me, starting up, um, except the exception being this current lockdown, um, I already had a lot of contacts for the program that I've been reaching out to. And at the moment, the numbers are indicating I actually need to provide two programs on a Monday and at this point, one program on a Sunday. So within a year, like, it just flipped uh, almost as far as the demand. So that's why um, I don't really – I have the programs either on Sunday afternoons or Mondays, but I'm not unopposed as to how many on either day. So it's just going to be how many people come. And I don't really – I cap my actual programs being at 10 per – 10 people per clinic, but then if I have more than that, I just create another one. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, I'm also curious whether you had any problem getting this type of program through at your club that you're based at? No, the club's been really um, good as far as what I want to do, just sort of going through and do, letting me do it. Um, you know, I obviously have to speak to the the golf club and my boss as far as when I can provide them because I'm not just a teaching pro. I still work in the golf shop, so things have to work around all those hours. Um, and I also have had to sort of make sure that the progression of the program fits in with the golf club in itself. Um, so even though Fridays had worked really well for um, me that other time that I was speaking about, I've had to leave Fridays alone because the golf club actually had changed um, some of the times that the members and um, social people could get on the golf course. And so that actually then made it impossible for me to then get the girls on the golf course for a Friday morning program. And so uh, for me, it just made sense that if I'm going to have a program that has the progression like it does, I need to find the times in the golf club's times that I can have the programs but then also progress them onto the golf course as well. So, um, yeah, but the, the club in general have just been, yeah, really great about the the programs that I do, quite supportive and everything as well. So, Which is which is great. And I would have thought if they're getting people joining up after they've gone through your program, that's obviously a, a huge plus um, for the club as well. Mm-hmm. So any advice for people that are keen to set up this type of program but are possibly getting some pushback from the club that they're at or the coaching or the, or their coaching venue? Yeah, I mean um, probably just sitting down with them and, and also finding out 
what their thoughts are. Um, I guess the thing is is that you've got to be able to come to um, a um, what's the word? <laughs> um, you've got to be able to come to an agreement uh, with the the golf club as to when you can provide these, and you've also got to have the progression planned out to be able to show them what you want so obviously with mine being able to get them out of the golf course was a really important thing um so I had to find it a time that suited to be able to get them out of the golf course that then suited the golf club as well um so you've got to have a bit of give and take on both sides and I guess if there's no give at all to you then you know maybe you need to find somewhere else to provide the programs to really but if if there's that communication uh that that's going to be the main thing you just can't set it up and then expect them to be okay with it and vice versa so communication key <laughs> completely makes sense i think ian james from he talks about showing actually showing the key stakeholders what the value is mm. so as opposed to just i'm going to do this program show them what it's going to lead to mm. So, and again, you've obviously done that really, really well with getting people through your pathways and into actually playing at the club and joining the club, which which is a huge positive. So I think, as I said earlier on, you've kind of blown up my social media feed. You pop up on my Instagram and my Facebook constantly. How did you set about doing that and getting those systems set up? Do you schedule stuff? Do you set aside a certain amount of time per week to do your social media? Is it just a spur of the moment thing? Um. So... I, because being a young person, like I'm on Facebook and Instagram, so setting something up for that was really easy. (laughs) Um, It was really, really easy. It all links, when you have a business page, even through Instagram or Facebook, it links to your own uh, personal profile. So that was really good. Um, I did have to learn to create boundaries for myself. Um, as far as my business goes, there was a time where, you know, someone would message me, uh, through Facebook, it might be 10 o'clock at night. And I would just answer because, you know, Oh, I just got to talk to them, you know, and there was a bit of, you know, that excitement that someone's talking to, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, you know, um, I just had to put in boundaries and, um, actually say work times at these times and, um, actually have one of those automated messages to say, if you've messaged out of this time, um, you'll be contacted tomorrow. If not, you know, please wait patiently. Um, and so, um, for me, it was, really easy to set it all up but finding those boundaries took me a a lot longer than just setting it all up essentially so if you can have that um hindsight already (laughs) definitely learn from my mistakes (laughs) um but yeah then actually putting the content out I don't I've I schedule things if I know what I want to put out there but I'm also not somebody who just tries to find anything and everything to put out there um there's things that I still want to do. Um, I actually still want to start to take video and do tips and things as well. Um, I just haven't quite found the time to actually do that. Um, so that's something on the to-do list to actually keep growing the content. And then in that instance, if I've got something that's already video, then I would probably schedule it. But I don't particularly have stuff. I don't. I don't just make up stuff for the sake of it and it might even be because um of a personal experience uh one of my posts at one point was actually about stats and it was because I'd actually gone and played a round of golf <laughs> who would have thought <laughs> um but golf yeah pro playing golf. 
what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so it was because of it was because of that that I actually made a post because I was looking at my own stats and it wasn't a planned thing. It was just from my own personal experience that I was like, I need, yeah, I want to get this stuff out. So, yeah. So is it is a targeted thing to just do? F- Facebook and Instagram because they they tend to be your biggest channels that I've that I've seen. Um, is that by choice or is that something that you did that you've targeted by choice? Um, it's just probably because I'm the most familiar with those two. They're the social media platforms that I use the most. So I don't have a TikTok account. I have a Snapchat, but I never use it. I have a LinkedIn account, but I'm not. 100% sure how that works either. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Facebook and Instagram are the ones that I'm very familiar with and um, that's probably why I've gravitated towards them. Um, but then they also have the great insights as well to your business analytics too. So uh, I enjoy being able to actually review those when when I need to find out some stuff and, and that sort of stuff, yeah. So is there is there any sort of trends coming up in your posts? Is there certain types of posts that, that get more traction and certain type certain times of the day maybe that get more more views? Yeah, definitely. And it obviously depends on where we're at, whether or not we're in lockdown and everyone's on their phones or when we're all back at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely some of the different times and that sort of things as well. Um I find that you know, sometimes even if you gravitate towards the younger mums and that sort of stuff around about that school pickup time when they're all sitting in their cars on their phones in their pickup line. So uh, that sort of thing um, seems to stick out for me as far as that. As far as content goes, I've found that a lot of the content that was more liked and actually, you know, shared and commented on was things that were a bit more... Um, about like the content that was more liked and commented on and shared was actually about those posts that had a bit more meaning behind them. Um, so rather than sharing somebody's like just review whilst that still got likes and comments and things, some of the things that have got more comments and shares and likes was actually to do with promoting women's golf not actually a service for instance so talking about that culture and community and actually reaching out to people in that way rather than actually just selling a service or you know a review of a service and that sort of stuff yeah again i would tend to think that because you've set up that little group of people that have got that common interest um and they're they're on your pages because you've set up that that group as opposed to just putting out standard golf stuff yes um, yeah because that, as well who i'm trying to reach out to majority of the time through these programs well, sorry who i'm trying to reach out to during these promotions and the posts and things are actually people who i'm trying to really bring into the golf industry in general so um i don't having a photo or a video of somebody's swing or um, their review on how that they'd played a great game of golf after a lesson to a beginner or someone who's just starting out, they're a bit like, well, I just sort of want more info that's relevant to me. So, yeah, I try and just target a lot more of my posts and promotions to certain people. And that's what I found probably worked the most that in general depending on what I'm posting, I actually have a specific audience who I'm trying to target. 
whether that is the club golfer or whether that's somebody sitting in their car waiting for their kids to come from school who's never tried golf before. Oh, that's great. That's great. You got a bit of a spread in Australian Golf Digest recently. How did that come about? Um, actually, out of the blue. <laughs> I got a, a text message from Tony Webeck um, and he uh, said that he'd been asked to interview me by um, the PGA uh, as a spread for the Australian Golf Digest and he asked me if I'd be interested and I said of course I would <laughs> and uh, he called me and we had a about an hour long chat and yeah had a really good chat about yeah the business and women's golf and yeah, everything that's in the article, go and buy it and read it. <laughs> I would have thought that that's going to give you a nice little little kickstart towards getting some extra players coming through your programs, having that out there. Yeah. Um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, pretty big on a magazine too, like not just a little one. <laughs> Probably the, the, the scary or the, the part that probably won't suit you so much is it's going to be aimed at those golfers that are actually playing golf already as opposed to those starters coming through. You, but- are, you are true in that instance, but every man has, you know, has that female that he knows. It doesn't have to be your wife. It doesn't have to be a sister or anything like that. And um, if they can share it with any female, then there we go. <laughs> uh, no. Completely, completely agree, completely agree there. So just one more point, and this is, I don't know whether this is something that you do want to cover or not, but I know as a as a guy, as a guy coaching, um, I've come across situations in the past where females aren't comfortable coming for coaching through me. Um, is that something you've come across as a female in the coaching world? Do you have guys that don't want to come to you because you're a female or do you have um, vice versa happening as well? Yeah, so um, in general, because I still work at a golf club as well, I probably still sort of um, get that vibe off people sometimes, um, I guess, because people, regardless of if they're members or not, walk into a golf club and they're looking for a golf coach and uh, my boss, Luke Bauer, is also a golf coach. So when they ask you know, oh, is the golf coach around? You're like, well, yeah, I'm actually a golf coach. I can help you. Um, you know, do you, do you want to um, have a lesson fly for Luke? Do you want to have a lesson fly for me? And and those sorts of uh, situations can sometimes be awkward <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they're, you know, looking at you like, oh, you're and, – and sometimes someone people say, oh, you are a golf coach? <laughs> oh, do they? <laughs> <Yeah>. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so – it can be confronting and I'm not somebody um, who holds her tongue. <laughs> and, not really? Uh, majority of the time, um, you know, you obviously want to stay professional, but it, it's hard. It, it is hard because you, you feel a bit um, you, like you work hard and sometimes even though you can be recognised by so many, it, yeah, sometimes you cannot be recognised by others. Uh, so it's definitely hard. I've never particularly had someone say to me, oh, I don't want to have a lesson with you because you're female. Um, but you can sort of tell the situation, I suppose, especially when you're standing there going, oh, you know, there's Luke or there's me, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Luke's good. And I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> slap. <laughs> yeah. Big slap across the face for that one. Yeah, so you would sort of assume that maybe, you know, that's because you're female and they're male, but um, majority of the time I've had good experiences. You know, sometimes when you've got older male members who are a bit more traditional, um, they they will steer away from 
you as a female and even just in general working in the golf shop I'm you know redoing somebody's spikes and they said oh thank Luke for me I said no no I actually redid your spikes he goes you did them but you're a girl yeah actually oh, I did <laughs> oh, yeah. so it's um it's unfortunately throughout the golf industry but um it's 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 not that bad. It's you just have a few that stand out. <laughs> Hopefully, it's changing. Hopefully, we're getting we're getting through and changing some of these things. So. Definitely, and I think as well, you know, from my own experiences in the coaching and from the playing side of things, um, you know, a lot of a lot of men are actually totally fine with it. It's just the ones that have the loudest voice that you know say the most and say it the loudest. So. Yeah, very true. Very true. Now I've got fast five questions that I like to ask everybody yep. as we as we go through. So for coaches starting out out there, um, you can even target this towards female coaches if you like. What tips would you give to those starter coaches out there? To any golf coaches, just jump straight in and do as much as you can. Um, you know, you just you get so much better with experience, and so the most experience that you can get, the quicker you can get the most experience. Um, the, the the quicker and the better you'll be definitely you know you're just constantly improving your communication um the way you know you speak and your knowledge and and everything so I mean for me even in the beginner's side of things you have to remember that going from clinics and beginners to in normal individual lessons you've got one person who doesn't know what the club face is and you've got another one who you know will tell you all about his ball flight and or her ball flight and that sort of stuff so you you've got to really know how to communicate to your client and actually switch in and switch out from your different clients and the more experience you can do that the better you will become it seems to come up quite often that 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 tip is get out there and do it <laughs> just start just start coaching yeah definitely yeah I, I think that that is certainly great advice um, for any young players out there, or older players, or golfers in general. What tips do you have for them out there? Seek professional help. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that comes up all the time as well. Yeah, look, I mean, whilst like YouTube and magazines are awesome for picking up those tips, they they can be general and irrelevant to you. You know, I mean. Maybe this is the case, maybe it's not, but you might YouTube how to change your windscreen wipers, but you wouldn't YouTube how to rebuild an engine. So, <laughs> you know, That's with a, a golf, you know, with a golf, golf swing and, you know, just playing golf in general, and it's great to pick up these tips and tricks and everything like that, but go and have a professional who you can go to, who you trust, who you respect, and actually go and listen to them. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than having a, a student come back from a lesson and say, oh, yeah, I, I tried yours, but then I decided to try so-and-so's tip from this <laughs> YouTube and you, they didn't even give you, you enough time sort of a thing to, to, to help them. So at the end of the day, if, if, if you want to pay me and do that, I, I'm the one taking your money, but I personally want to actually provide a proper service. And so, yeah, I think if you can find a golf professional who you respect and you can listen to do it <laughs> just 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 on that point just quickly i think because you've set up those facebook groups and you've set up that online um little little group of people they can ask questions of you yes through that as well yeah. so if they do go away and they're not quite sure what you covered in that coaching session they can actually get in touch with you and 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 ask you again which is really really cool 100 percent. yeah <laughs> 
No, that's that's awesome. Okay, so anything that you would change in your career? No, nothing. Up, up until now, <laughs> nothing. Honestly, nothing. Even even in my golfing career as a junior, the bad experiences that I did have and that I spoke about, you know, they they shaped me. They they shaped who I am and the coach that I am and what I want to do. So I I don't believe. Um, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. So. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a completely fair answer, and it is one that comes up quite often. Not only as you've heard me say on the podcast before, everyone that does tune in more than once. So I, I was just plenty of things that I would, would change personally. Um, so that's why I asked that question of my guests, just to to find out if they had something to change, if they would have that choice to go back and do it again. So no, that's that's a completely fair answer. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Mm. Well, I don't particularly see myself somewhere specific in five years' time, but I do see see myself still focusing on the females in golf and continuing to grow my golfing community. I believe that this is part of my life's purpose and um, I'm really excited to see how it unfolds, how the growth unfolds. So I don't particularly have somewhere that I want to be. I'm very open to wherever I'm going to be. <laughs> as long as I'm doing what I'm doing now, I'll be very happy. <laughs> wow, that's, that's that's awesome. I'm going to tweak this one slightly at you. I'm, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball to you now. So if you had the a magic wand and you could change golf or coaching in, the, in five years' time, what would you change about it? I would change the way that golf is perceived across all females and males. I think that's really one of the things that holds us back, you know, and then it comes down to obviously us changing with the times as an industry as well, but, you know, we're perceived as that real traditional and, you know, golf courses having certain dress codes and all that kind of stuff and part of changing that perception is also changing the actual story of that too. Uh, so I guess that goes hand in hand that, yeah, just changing the perception by actually changing the narrative, um, you know, the way people see golf in general because it's such a great sport and um, it's so rewarding, you know, across everything. You wouldn't be doing it if you didn't love it, obviously. I don't need to tell you, but... <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, it's just so so rewarding and you can get so much out of it, whether it is social members, memberships or competition and, you know, elite golf. There's just so many different levels to it. And, um, yeah, I guess that's probably the main thing that I would change because I think in changing that, that would then start to also increase the female participation and things like that as well, yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. I like it. And again, it was a curveball. It I, just to just to put you completely on the spot, but that's um, that's part of the fun because it's. Um, so sources of learning for yourself. So you said podcasts are something that you that you can do. Any certain casts that you check out all the time? Yeah. So I mean, as far as um, business goes, I listen to the Business Bible, um, which is. Uh, I listen to it on Spotify. Um, I listen to Tony Robbins. I listen to I listen to all kinds of podcasts. At the moment, I'm listening to one that is actually based 
two males. <laughs> okay. um, he actually is speaking to the male gender and I actually listen to it. Um, and, yeah, just just don't, I guess, as far as if anybody was to take any advice, don't limit yourself, you know, listen to all kinds of stuff and read all kinds of things. Um, for those who don't like to read, you know, audio books are there and that sort of stuff. Podcasts are obviously really great as well for that. But, yeah, just um, I like to... I like to explore everything. I, I really do. Like um, I know you've had Sue on uh, and she spoke about um, Carol Dweck's mindset mindset book and, um, yeah, like I, I even go down that sort of avenue as well. I really like all kinds of stuff because I think it's you can just pull different parts. It's relevant to you at the time. So whether or not that's to your business or your personal life or your relationships or whatever, I just think there's so much out there that we can soak in. There's so much knowledge we can soak in that we just shouldn't keep ourselves in a box. And I certainly don't put myself in a box. <laughs> awesome. Completely love that. And again, yeah, just encourage everybody to, to source all the information you can out there. There's so much out there these days. And it's so easy to find yes. as well. Yeah, it's all at our fingertips. <laughs> so get out there and do it. So, where can people find you? Yeah. Apart from obviously on your socials. Yeah. And I'll put some handles in the, in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah. So, at Eastwood Golf Club, uh, I'm there so you can find my details on the website you can find my details at tailored to golf coaching with melissa taylor on facebook and instagram i've got a linkedin account um i get notifications don't know how to use it but i'll see it if you message me uh and also i'm on google and um yeah just facebook in general No, that's awesome. I will put some links to all your socials and all your sites in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you so much for coming in today and talking to me. This was an awesome conversation. I had such a good time and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Hopefully you learned a little bit too. (laughs) I did. I did. And um, I just think this is awesome. And again, this is why I, I, this is my first goal for this this show was to be able to talk to great coaches. So this is why I do it. I don't do it to get um, any cash out of it. I do it to actually be able to speak to coaches. So um, I just certainly appreciate you coming in and talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a real honour to be able to share my story, definitely. (laughs) 